podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Do you like beer? Do you like free? How about, you guessed it, free beer? As a valued listener, we'd like to bestow upon you just that. Thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious and painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com slash arsenal and cover just the postage of £4.95 and, as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of the Footballistically Arsenal podcast, you get two extra free beers. So that's ten free beers. Beer 52, in case you didn't know, are beer pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beers from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise then that they're the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand and more but they haven't forgotten their roots. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time, the power is in your hands. As well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy, your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment, which explains the theme and individual beers you'll receive, and a beery snack is thrown in just to top it all off. Don't like dark beers? Choose the light plan. It's easy. So just go to www.beer52.com slash Arsenal to get your case free. And don't forget, right now, the Footballistically Arsenal podcast listeners get two extra free beers. Yes, they do. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I'm Boyd Hilton. Um, We're still going... We're still doing a weekly podcast, Josh. How are you? I'm really good, Boyd. Boyd, it's great good. to keep it going, and we've got another great guest. Sorry. We have, we have in our in our series, Legends of Broadcasting. Uh, we're broadening it out um, to legends of comedy, impressions, and acting, and and singing as well. Luke Kempner is there. Hi, Luke. Oh well, hello, 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 hello. Um. You are the master of the modern impression. Thank I'm you saying. very much. You've been, I've been, I've obviously I follow your social media, your social yeah. medias, as Austin yes. Banger would say. Yes, and... of course, well, the social medias are very important, yes. <laughs> and you have been, I would say you've been keeping very uh, current and topical by doing pretty much daily, am I right, kind of Boris Johnson yeah, um, mostly daily, videos. sort of. It's when something pops into my head, really, because you know, right. he, you know, he's so, you know, obviously he's, you know, got the 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 virus at the moment, you know. But people of Britain, I am here to say that you know Arsenal will be back. They will be back. You know, they might not be very good, but they will be back. Ah, uh, okay. I mean, that is a, you have to, you have honed it, you perfected it. Was it that I'm going to? We'll talk to you about your um, life career. I mean, you know, we've got we've got plenty of time to talk about whatever the fuck we yeah, want to talk sure. about. And um, your how you grew your love of Arsenal, particularly in relation to um, one season in particular, which is yes. what I'm, which I'm saying is the season you you um, you kind of you're alerted to the joy of Arsenal. Is that right? Is that yeah. fair to say? 
absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it, it was certainly the first season. It wasn't the first match I went to, but it, I, I, the, cause our first match was, uh, 97, 98, but then I went, uh, started going to Highbury in 98, 99, and I started going to Wembley for the Champions League games in that season. So that's my first season. Right. My right. first kit yeah. and everything like that. Excellent. I should just so, say on this point, the, yeah. the reason Luke and I were discussing this earlier today was someone sent me, and I won't dob them in because I'm slightly unsure. Dob. The, uh, <laughs> dob. No, dob. For ages. <laughs> dob them in. Um, I won't dob them in. Um, I'm slightly unsure of the legality of the, the link I was sent, but it had the link to every single Arsenal season review from, I think, the last 30 years which has been an absolute joy to go through. I, uh, I watched pretty much all of the 1995-96 Bruce Ryok season uh, yesterday. But then um, I sent this link to Luke, and I believe he's watched pretty much the entirety of the 98-99 season. Have. We can go through that. Watched it all today. Amazing. Well, I, I mean, I'm old enough to have bought all of these, um, pretty much these <laughs> end of years. Uh, on VHS, yeah. I've also got them in a box in my um, kind of in a big room where I just d- dump all my stuff and I haven't thrown out yet. I mean, I am a hoarder anyway. So I've got a hoard of most of these end of season videos. I've certainly got this one um, with, the, the end, with the one you're talking about for the 1998-99 season. The double bypass. Which, which was brilliantly cool. Double bypass. <laughs> <laughs> when we have to, and we, we'll talk about it in depth soon. But the fact that it was called double bypass, which was like a kind of comedic reference to the fact that we've we we won the double the year before and this year this this that particular season we failed to win on both counts and we were bypassed for the double (laughs) by man united so what a brilliant there's almost like a title that you'd get if you're a man united um video and you'd want to take the piss out of arsenal isn't it rather than hang on boys hang on boys have you missed the absolute crucial element of this go on well canoes on the front Oh, uh, well, yeah. Who had, uh, who had terrible heart problems. I'd always thought there was a reference in that. <laughs> oh, record, my. That you couldn't get away with in 2020, but I feel that in 1999, you could. I, think, might... you, I think you've missed the absolute oh. Oh. open I... goal here. See, you said that to me earlier, Josh, and I'd never picked that up. But I, 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 he does talk. Kanu actually does talk about it in the in the video. So he he talks about when he had his um, double heart bypass. So surely that is a reference to it. That is amazing. Like I'd like to have been a fly on the wall in the meeting where they decided, you know, what are we, are we going to call this fucking thing? <laughs> we haven't won anything. We've got to call it something. Yeah. And they, and they went, oh, you know, Kanu had a had a heart attack, and you know, we've kind of haven't won the double double bypass. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's what what an incredible works thing. on so many levels, so many every level, every yeah. level. Um, but before we talk about before we talk about that season and your awakening, your Arsenal awakening, and yes. generally have a chat about you and your your everything that's happening with you at the moment, how are you dealing with um, with the whole lock in lockdown situation yeah. as a professional comedian? Um, but before we do that, I want to talk about the, the news of the day, the topic of the day, because I think this late last night or this morning. Mm. Um, some, I think Miguel Dele- Miguel um, wrote the article for the Independent about how um, they'd been told by sources close to the Premier League that the current Premier League preference is to finish the season by hook or by crook in the summer and basically have some kind of weird daily World Cup-style tournament where all the teams play each other in a small period of time, all based somewhere in the Midlands um, somehow, in like like they all have their own base like they would be if you were all gathering for a World Cup, and and shown daily on TV for our entertainment. And 
some people have come out and said, like, I know, I noticed that um, John Cross of the Mirror tweeted quite kind of not angrily, but quite pointedly saying, you know, he didn't think it was, I thought it was in kind of poor taste almost that, you know, would people really want to watch football um, when, you know, people are dying and all of that, uh, you know, what, what's your feeling Luke, about this whole thing? How, how would you like to see this whole thing resolved? Would you like to see a, kind of Premier League World Cup tournament situation happened possibly behind closed doors in the summer or do you think we should just knock it on the head and call it a day I I see I get quite excited by big changes like this not and also it's not forever is it you know it's just like this once and mm. um before the next global pandemic and I'm um I'm really excited by it I think it'd be brilliant and also like they, they, I, it sort of reminds me of when I I played um a scouts tournament <laughs> and we'd all turn up and you'd sit at the side of the pitch and, and you play about four games in a day I, I don't think they should play it oh, like I think you should have to play three times in a day um let's do 60 minute matches oh it's gonna be great i'm well up for it yeah i think it's good great as well and, and just i think one bloke just one bloke with a vuvuzela at the side yeah perfect yeah yeah i agree with you i think i think this whole idea that we should all stop doing anything enjoyable or you know because it, it, obviously it's a tragic time and mm. it sounds to be but I, th- I think you have to almost have to keep going don't you have to kind of provide entertainment for people so that people aren't getting too you know, and also depressed I mean, and miserable, and yeah, go on. I, you know, I work in the uh, you know the, the comedy industry, the radio industry, the TV industry. Nothing's happening, right? Right. So you know, I, so like they're not producing anything. So no. like you need, and if we can, if they can do live events, obviously safely, and um, you know, also you have to be two meters apart, so no one's allowed to tackle. Uh, <laughs> I think it could it could work perfectly for Arsenal. <laughs> Josh, what do you reckon? What's your what's your feeling about the whole thing? Well, well from what I understand, is they are one hundred percent committed to the, the season being done, and that there is a huge acceptance it'll be behind closed doors. So we will get our season ticket money for the last four or five games back, one way, Woo-hoo! one way or another, whatever. So there's a bit of a rebate coming um, from Arsenal, you know, and everyone else, surely, um, in the next few weeks. This sort of makes sense. I mean, it's all going to be on telly. It, it can take place in a time where we're still not going to be back to, you know, normal life. People still presumably are going to be working from home. I just think people worried about there not being fans in the stadium at that point will just be so delighted that there's football on. That yeah, they are. You know, for the people that have paused their Sky Sports, that they can unpause it. For people that are on BT Sport, they don't need to worry because uh, I don't think BT have allowed people to pause it, have they? So I just think I think you can apply, can't you, to BT? I think you can if you call them up or something. You can you can take a holiday on it or something. All right. Well, I just think football is going to be you know not not immediately back. There's no chance of sixty thousand people you know going to the Emirates for the first game, and I think that's fine. I don't totally understand this uh, idea of them all going into lockdown, you know, in, in individual, because it sort of makes sense. But as soon as you've got one person, one physio, one cameraman, one person who picks up the virus, then you're potentially, aren't you, putting everyone in jeopardy in the same way they all had to go into isolation when, you know, Arteta had it. They all had to take 14 days. So uh, it's probably not really yet completely thought out. But football without fans seems you know, seems to totally make sense. I think, I think as well, like, you know, until we know a little bit more about, um, the effects of the disease, because obviously I know that, um, that, you know, over a thousand people have died from it in this country, but I think I've had it 
I think my wife's had it. Like we, you know, we had the fever, the cough, and lost my taste, uh, sense of taste oh. and smell, um, which I, I'm reading lots is 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 a big uh, a symptom as well. And so, but I don't know if I've had it because there's no testing that you can easily get to. Um, and also, like it said, like if you were having real difficulties, then you should go. But I wasn't having real difficulties. It was horrible, like, and it floors you for three or four days. But um, I suppose the point I'm making is that, like, you know, until we know a lot more about it, because, uh, you know, mostly they're sort of saying that if you're young and fit and healthy, that it won't affect you too badly. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know how this is sounding, but, like, if a couple of people get it, it and and they're not too bad, but not everyone else gets it, then surely this tournament can carry on. I'm not yeah. a doctor. I don't know if that's no. coming across. I mean, you're, you're, you're more or less a doctor. You, you know, you're... you're, you're... <laughs> <laughs> you know more about it than we do because I you the fact that you've had it sound it doesn't well, like you've had, had it. it. I, don't yeah, I mean they, those are the key symptoms, aren't they? Especially the um the taste thing. Yeah. So how long yeah. ago was that that you had it? Was that uh, about a week ago since oh, it, wow. it, it since I started to feel better. And my smell and taste has only come back the last couple of days and that is frustrating because at the moment I'm having a drink most nights and when I couldn't taste it, it was it was a nightmare. Oh yeah, that's that's difficult. Yeah, God, God. That, no, I mean, that's yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. It, it certainly wasn't fun, and it did. You know, it really it does make your chest uh, very tight, and yeah. um, and like so, it was quite hard to sleep for about three or four days. Um, but no, I'm not saying it's not bad. Um, but what I mean is, is like it, when they know more about it, then maybe there's a chance that you know, if one person gets it, it doesn't mean like we have to call everything off immediately. Sort of. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think I, I know. What well, you mean. Yeah. you? What you are going to have, what you are going to have by then, is is a much more sophisticated uh, plan for testing people. Surely, I mean, we're talking mm. about doing this in in June, July, so you know, a couple of months away. So yeah. at that point, you could presumably test people very straightforwardly. So yeah, if one person does have it, could you immediately test the rest of the squad um, uh, and assess it? Um, so you know, potentially, it could be more straightforward than it. It seems at the moment, but yeah, and you could know. also have. It's all quite exciting. A Premier League World Cup, effectively, and games on at one o'clock, four o'clock, seven o'clock. Oh, I um, love it! I don't oh, know. Brilliant. It'd it be great. Be yeah, over in a couple of weeks, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah. I just don't. What do you do about new? Do we just uh, wave neutral venues, or I don't know what their quite idea of like basing people in sort of certain spaces are. You know, in terms of are we just doing away with home or away? I don't know. I guess they don't even know. No, I think it's it's thirty days, but I think I I I I'm I like the idea that they've even thought gone this far and thought of you know how to come up with some kind of way around it because I just think we need I don't even I, I think you know I think we need things to look forward to and I think we need like the whole idea of the whole nation and the whole nation's kind of um, industry and the and the whole capitalist system if you like collapsing around their ears is equally as damaging in a way, you know, as the actual disease itself, as the virus itself. And I think we need something somehow. I don't think we should completely just stop all all notion of doing these things and, and, and voiding the whole thing. And I also think voiding the whole thing, which is the other major option, would be so catastrophic in terms of, you know, the impact it would have on certain teams. There would legal, be legal challenges. It could go on for years, whereas yeah. just finishing it in the end eventually, however long it takes just makes sense to me and however they work out how to do it makes sense to me definitely yeah yeah um but so uh, so in terms of your um luke in terms of after you've had so when you had the virus yeah uh, you think yeah and then um 
did you have most of soldier on and do any kind of um, impressions in the in the in videos or did you just <laughs> well, yeah oh amazing I, I sort of did. I sort of kept, carry, you know, uh, you know, we must keep calm and carry on, of course. Um, you know, so I, I, I sort of mustered and, it, you know, it was three days of feeling like, oh, I can't do anything. I'm, you know, and you were knackered very quickly because me and my wife, we both had it. But also this is the thing, like, because I've not been tested and because it's not really been what I don't think it's been widely spoken of the, the losing of taste, uh, taste and smell. Um, although, as most people pointed out to me that I've, I've never had any taste, but, um, oh. but, but of course, but then, but, but it's one of those things. It's like, I'm like, if I've got some other virus in the time when we're all on global lockdown, I'm going to be furious. <laughs> would be unlucky, wouldn't it? Oh, I mean, like, trust me to get some other virus from the ones where we're all locked in our houses. That would be terrible. I also know she did today, talking of, of you keeping up with the up with the times, you've done the Tiger King um, guy. <laughs> well, now, yeah, because Carol Baskin, you bitch. Now we should express. Um, Josh, have you watched Tiger King yet on Netflix? Episode one, so that impression was enough for me. Yeah, I was yes. Yeah. I mean, this is the word of mouth phenomenon. In case anyone listening, I mean, I think pretty much everyone, everyone's either heard of it or about to watch it or watched it. It is yeah, yeah, one yeah. of the most incredible documentary series <laughs> ever. I watched it in a day. Like, uh, yeah. Because a friend of mine sent it. He's like, have you seen this thing? And I, I watched the first episode and I didn't quite... Didn't quite get um, completely enthralled into it until the last. Like, I can't remember what happens right at the end of the first episode. Josh, you might better or well, don't say actually because it'll give it away. But it, then, then you're absolutely locked in, and it's yeah. like all you need to know is there's this like mad eccentric dude who owns lots of um, tigers and and leopards. Also, like I didn't realise how many people. They, well, isn't there a fact that there's more? There's more yeah. people yeah. who own tigers than they're in sort of in captivity than there are yeah. out in yeah. the wild. Yeah, there are more. Yeah, that's right. There are more. Um, there are more big cats. Um, big, big cats. cats sorry, that's it. Yeah, in cats. in America, in the United States of America, kept by private owners and and in, in heavy quote zookeepers and all these these. Yeah, people, yeah. Than there are in the wild in where they should actually be. You know, in 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 the world. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Yeah, and, and there's a whole. And yeah. every character in it is so eccentric, yeah. like because there's 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 sort of like four people who own all these big cats. Like one of which is like the guy that's um, Scarface is based on. He's yes. the most normal one in it. Like, <laughs> that, that, like, and he's been in prison for about thirty years. Like, it's, yeah. And it's like each episode, like something, and you're like, and like, oh, this guy's got eight wives, and it's completely normal. Like, it just, it, it's amazing, and it just keeps getting more and more. And this character that I, I did an impression of, Joe Exotic, you know, because he, he's got this kind of great, kind of strange voice, and he hates Carol Baskin. So that'll make sense once you watch it. That Carol Baskin, that bitch, and like, <laughs> it just escalates as it goes on. But he's, he's, oh, the whole thing yeah. is, is absolutely amazing. And um, he's got like two husbands as well. Which, yeah, it is extraordinary, isn't it? It's like how how um, every single person. He keeps that... getting these twenty-year-old boys yeah. to be his yes. husbands. It's so bizarre, and like good-looking as well. Like it's so bizarre. Yeah, yeah, it is. And incredible. he's a singer. He keeps releasing these songs, which are they're actually quite good. I think <laughs> what did I, I saw someone? I can't remember who it was. David Bedil or something saying, um, uh, "I actually think Joe Exotic's got a really good voice." Don't at me. <laughs> That's I was listening to what it was like. Uh, I saw a tiger and a tiger saw me. Like they're quite catchy. I think if you honestly, if I don't know what's going to happen when this film virus thing finishes, but you could have a whole career just doing tiger. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. It's I don't big, know if I want that. 
Well, it's just a possibility because you could do your own music videos. Singing, oh, God, him. yes. Oh, yeah. Good. But I'd the music videos are like the David Brent one, aren't they? For um, yes. when he did the Simply if Red song. You don't yeah. know me, Vina. Yeah, yeah, yeah they are like that. Because yeah. I remember at the time when, when David Brent did that, when sorry, when Ricky Gervais did that, in, yeah. in, in, people go, oh, that would never happen. You know, no, some, no one would be able oh, ever do it. And yes. I'm like, well, now we've seen the time. Yeah, of course. Of course. It's great. <laughs> His commitment to the mullet is extraordinary as well, isn't it? Oh, I my think, God. Like, well, he is... Go on. Well, I used my Boris Johnson yes. wig. Because yes. I've been filming this uh, TV pilot where I was dressed as Boris Johnson. I was like, oh, can I keep the wig? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kept the wig. And then um, uh, another comedian, Jake Lambert, who's a Spurs fan... <laughs> Uh, he uh, he messaged me and said, oh, he goes, you know that wig could double up as a Joe Exotic wig? And then two days later, he was absolutely right. I just moved it further back to create the mullet, <laughs> popped a cap on. I also stuck a ring to my, because uh, he's got uh, his eye, a sort of, eyelid pierced so i stuck a ring to my eye and um and bob's your uncle i was joe joe exotic there bitch you have done a brilliant job of that reusing that boris johnson wig i have to Thanks, say yeah man. um we will talk about arsenal after the break in a minute honestly but um the other thing i was going to ask you was whether you know you'd have any other topic of pressure whether you were thinking of doing the guy you know the chief medical officer of the Press government Whitted. or yeah yeah <laughs> it's all these names i mean I, like i think rishi sunak is certainly well because i i'm and, right i've been working on a, a load of new voices for a, a tv show that i'm not allowed to talk about um oh, where, I, guess which uh, one. I think you might be able to guess which one but i'm not allowed to talk about it um, <laughs> so there's lots of new voices that i'm um, learning for that and uh so so rishi sunak you know because he's kind of got you know it's not far it's sort of a cross between um sort of tony blair and um <laughs> And uh, who's that? Ed Miliband is sort of got that kind of. <laughs> oh yeah, that's you know, good. It's sort of got you know. It's kind of you know. We are doing everything we can. These unprecedented circumstances. The self-employed will get nothing, and it'll be fine. Um, so like it's it sort of it, you know like so he's yeah. he's one that I mean there the, you know what what I do like about it is just that everyone knows about it. You know, like during the general election, sometimes you'll be like, oh god, have you seen what you know uh, you know Corbyn said? And like people will go, oh yeah, well I'm not really you know, and people don't always necessarily engage where at the moment we're all watching it we all know about yeah it. yeah yeah that's so true yeah i think i asked you this a lot yeah go on oh i was just going to jump in there and just um and, and just do this one other story i wanted to to get oh, yours yeah. and, and luke's take on before we I know we've got go for a break did, did you see about jack grealish today luke have you seen these videos no well, what is this oh my it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that you haven't seen it in short jack grealish was doing what Everyone looking for some good PR was doing a couple of days ago and pulling out messages, stay at home. Yes. Be good, you know, be good citizens. And then essentially he seems to have like nipped out to go and see one of his friends. And because he's had a little car accident on the way to seeing one of his friends, he's, uh, yeah, he's had a car accident. And, uh, and therefore he's had to put up this video about an hour ago, um, apologizing and just saying, he made a mistake. He got bored. He's gone round to his friend and he shouldn't oh, have done. Oh. And then everyone's just there at home. But uh, do you think Arsenal players who were behaving at the moment, everyone's staying at home? Is there anyone nipping out, do you think? I definitely I what I don't know about you guys, but I like because every time I'm on my Instagram, it like flashes up that like ev- everyone's live. Um, but I watched um, David Louise and uh, who else? I was watching David Louise and. I think it was Mustafi doing um, an exercise class, and I just oh, yeah, I saw that, that for ten yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I yeah. just sometimes I I don't know if the live things were, like shouldn't be for that, but you know, like I, I was having a little watch, and David Louise was very oiled up. He got very oiled up yes. for his workout. Yes, 
No, he's famous for it. He loves a bit of oiling up. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. No, I, no, I made that up completely. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's I quite like getting a bit of an insight. You know what was I watched them um, Bamiyang and Boateng have a little yeah. conversation the other day. Yeah. He didn't quite say whether he was going to stay at Arsenal or not. Um, oh, no. But uh, you know, it's nice to get these insights. I like it. It is, yeah. But the Dracula thing is hilarious. Yeah, if you, if you he he was trending. Um, I think he's probably still is trending. Yeah, just because just because of the contrast between doing a very earnest um, video <laughs> for his fans to, to to stay in and don't go out, and then he goes off and gets pissed with a mate allegedly, and then crashes oh, his car really? the next morning. Yeah, he's it was wearing he's wearing very odd slippers that. Um, you know, don't yes. really look like uh, the average modern-day footballer's <laughs> choice of footwear when leaving the house. He hasn't, he hasn't thought it through. No. If you're going to no. get packed, he shouldn't be wearing those sort of slippers. Quite Before- right. Before we go into the break and before before we were in total lockdown, um, yeah. I just kept dreaming of the idea of us getting someone like Jack Grealish. I think it would be so. Per- I mean, oh, not yeah. the, now, not with his behaviour, but um, but I, you know, some, you know, that I do feel like Jack Grealish is is a player. Like since Ramsey's gone, like the perfect kind of player that we would desperately need at the moment. Someone to, uh, you know, that because I just don't feel like Özil does that sort of num- like proper number ten mm. thing. Like like you know a sort of Lampard or a, a, a Ramsey, like I just I feel like Grealish, and he's and he's tweeted about how much he likes Arsenal before, isn't he? I can't remember what it was, but like so, ah, oh, would you boys be um, well up well, for that? Well, I think if Aston Villa go down, there's no question that he's leaving, and whether or not this season, you know, presume, presuming it does finish, there's a yeah, yeah, you know, more more than fifty percent chance that Villa are going down. But it seems to be Man United where all the talk's been about, and it you know had been Spurs, but Spurs you know probably having made midfield signings are not going to be ones. So you'd say like apart from Man United, we would be you know in as good a contention as anyone if we did make a move. But you can't help but think there is still this thing. I mean, with, with Wenger for so long, it was always about signing nice boys, you know, mm. wasn't it? It was about people that would behave. I mean, we've already seen with Arteta how when Guendouzi didn't put his shirt on or something in Dubai, he wasn't allowed mm. to play. So I just wonder if the sort of character that seemingly goes with Grealish is something that Arteta would give the green light on and, and maybe not. That would be my guess. Oh, I I think he would. I, I, I totally agree. Um, I totally agree, Luke, that he's exactly the player we need. He's, he's, you know, he's a brilliant creative midfield talent that we, that we need. I think Arteta would absolutely sign him in a heartbeat. And I think he would, I think he would um, be convinced that he is the one who could tame his, you know, his wilder mm, instincts. Mm. So I think Arteta feels that he can tame anyone, you know, I think, and um my only, I just can't imagine we'd spend that. The, he's going to be so no, expensive, isn't he? He's no. going to be the most sought after. And I know there'll be a release clause, but they'll essentially, I imagine, 50, you know, United. Million, yeah. yeah. He's also the kind of player that City would just swoop for, wouldn't they? You know, they'd just go, mm. oh, you know, he's a brilliant, he's the best young player at the moment. Let's, let's also, let's just try and buy him now. Even mm. Liverpool. I can just imagine two or three richer clubs than us going yeah. for him. I would love it. I would absolutely love it. I mean, he absolutely, you're right. He's, he's exactly what we need in, in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah, I think. We'll, we'll, uh, yeah, sorry. You're, I, I know that on the menu there's talk about um, the Cesc Fabregas interview, and um, yes. but it, we, I, I can come to it after the break. But um, yeah, I, I was going to talk about that and Jack Grealish. Well, we'll talk about both those things, Luke, after this break. And uh, yeah, see you back in a minute. Mm-hmm. 
If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back uh, from the break. Uh, uh, myself, Boyd Hill. I don't think I introduced myself this week, but, you know, obviously uh, anyone who listens to this podcast knows, knows who the fuck I am. Sidekick Psychic Josh is here. And our very special guest, Luke Kempner, comedian, impressionist, actor, singer. Hello, how are you? <laughs> I was acting and singing then. You were. I mean, that's how yeah. we like it. Thank um, you. you mentioned yourself quite well. So we're going to talk about the season that that turned you into a full-on Arsenal fan, um, 1998-99, um, which, which was a very big year for me because that was the year, 1999 was the year I joined Heat. Oh, Unbelievable. Right. Still there, still going. It was the year he yeah. launched. Oh, um, right. It was yeah, it was a massive year for me. So it completely changed my life. And loads of great TV started in 1999. Like The Sopranos started that year. Um, and other stuff that I've forgotten that I was meant to have written down, but I didn't. Oh, Queer as Folk launched that year. Mm. Um, it was just an absolutely iconic year for big stuff. And, you know, and I went to, I think I went to most home games that year as well. Um, right. And so I remember it quite closely. But before we talk about that year, you, you mentioned yourself this interview with Cesc Fabregas. Yeah. That you did for a rival, po- well, not a rival podcast, a podcast that, that, that's been going for way longer than ours. Um, and that was interesting what he said, because he sounded, he basically said there was him um, and a couple of other players. That Nasri were and his, Robin Van Persie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that were off his level yeah. um, when he left Arsenal. And then everyone else was basically inferior to him. Um, and uh, it came across as quite arrogant. What did you think of it in general? I oh, see. I didn't think it did come across as arrogant. I, I, I felt like even at the time you used to, you know, he was talking about they'd lose and they'd go home and on the bus, you know, people were laughing. He didn't name any names, but, you know, and, and sort of people weren't, uh, didn't mean as much to them as it, it did to him. And they kept, you know, what was the, you know, uh, the sort of criticism of us for so long was that we haven't got enough winners. And he was a winner. And people like Robin Van Persie, obviously it was such a shame he got injured so much but he was he was also of that level and maybe there just weren't enough players of that level and Arsenal could at that time had the spending power uh, and certainly the reputation to bring in players where well, he even talked about it Xavi Alonso was desperate to come to Arsenal kept texting uh, Fabregas all through the summer desperate to come and Arsenal didn't go and do it and I don't you know whether it was Gazidis or, or, or even if it was Wenger like but you know it I, I actually felt quite frustrated listening to it because I was like, I think you're right. I think there was, we were so close to just two or three players more of that level and more of that mentality um, that could have really just got us to winning trophies at that time. Yeah, I think so. I think that's true. Yeah. Josh, what did you make of it? What, what was your feeling? Well, firstly, I think the whole thing, you know, done by, 
you know, ask blog, ask cast. It was really, you know, brilliant get. I think they'd arranged that they were hopefully going to do it in person and had to do it over the uh, over Skype in the end. But it was really worth listening, a really good hour for anyone that has the opportunity. I, I'm with Luke on this. I don't think he was trying to be overly arrogant. I think he was probably conscious of how some Arsenal fans have viewed him in recent years and that going to Chelsea has ma- majorly affected his relationship. But listening back to it, you sort of remembered about how long he was part of the club. I mean, he didn't play in the invincible season, but he was around the squad. And then, you know, for the next, you know, what what was it? Seven years, eight years, pretty much. Of, well, seven years until he left in 2011. He was a huge part. Uh, uh, he, was, he was the absolute leader of the club. And if you look at who else was in that squad in that season he left, and you think about actually it had become a time of Shamax, of Squillaches, you know, mm-hmm. Denielsons, mm-hmm. you know, there's a few others. I don't need to pick out names here, but I think he was probably thinking, well, you know, I've seen all the good players go and what we're signing is not of the same level. And at some point he wants to be remembered for winning trophies. And to be fair to him, of course, he did that at Barcelona and at Chelsea. But I think he came across really well in the interview overall. I haven't listened to it yet, no, but I've read, I've read the, the kind of headlines. But I see that um, that uh, Bakary Sanya hit back at him, didn't they? Or he kind of... Oh, did he? Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I, I'll read out a few quotes. I mean, Sanya said, I was surprised to read this. And he's talking about how uh, Fabregas referred to Robin Van Persie and Nazareth, as the other two players who were on his level, as he called it, mentally and technically. Uh, Fabregas having said, it's not an arrogant thing to say. It's just how I felt at the time. So Sanya responded... Who, are, who, by the way, for those that want to, to know or care, Sanya's now living in Canada, awaiting Canadian citizenship. That was what I learned mm-hmm. from the article. Uh, but he said, I was surprised to read this. From him, I was surprised because he was supposed to be one of the leaders of a team. He was one of the great prospects, and as a leader and a true player, you don't speak like that about your club. So I'm surprised because he's a nice guy. He's still a nice guy. This doesn't change anything. But I was surprised. Arsenal made him. So saying that some players were not at his level is a bit hard because I'm not sure out of all the seasons he's playing for the club that he was always an exemplary player. At the time, the press were talking about him not running enough or tracking back. So other players could have said, you should be running more or doing more. So that was how Sanya came back. But I think if Sanya hasn't listened to it, like if you listen to it in context, it's slightly different to reading a headline. You know, like I think he came across brilliantly in the interview. And and I think I think he was honest in the fact that he forced his way out. He didn't quite go into the absolute details, but he asked Wenger to leave. And, and I think mentally he was done. And I remember, I remember when we played Barcelona and he broke his leg and he carried on, he still was giving everything. And mm. the the team just wasn't good enough, and he had a chance to go and play for the best Barcelona team ever. And as much as it was heartbreaking at the time, like you can't really blame him. And he said that he wanted to come back to Arsenal, and Wenger and Gazidis didn't reply to him because I can imagine that Wenger was pretty pissed off that that Fabregas forced his way out, and didn't even want to answer the phone call. But yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was yeah. fascinating. I mean, yeah. I found it very difficult to listen to when he was talking about how happy he was at Chelsea. I'm not blaming oh, no. Cesc. I'm not blaming Cesc for that, but I don't want to fucking hear about that. <laughs> no, you no know. one needs to hear that. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. but, but it's not Andrew's fault who had to do the interview, and, and that is part of Sesk's career. But, you know, my, I, I think that I still, you know, I was saying this to my mates, uh, Luke McQueen and Tom Rosenthal, we're in this Arsenal group together, and I said to them, I was like, I was like, I still think we should have got Sesk back. And they were like, no, we had Wilshire, we had Ramsey, we had Ozil. And I was like, I don't care. You, you know, at that time, I just think that would have been such a, a morale booster for the entire stadium. And oh, I think it would have been, I would have loved to have had him back. I don't know about you guys. I think I would have had him back. Yeah, I can't, I'm trying to remember what I said at the time. Whether I, I, I think I was, I think I would have had him back. But a lot of, a lot, you do forget though, a lot of the fans were furious at him and still are. And, you know, kind of still thought, I mean, I think they're wrong. But I wonder whether the Arsenal regime, I wonder whether even Wenger himself would have been worried about the reception he would have got, you know, and all of that. I wonder if that's partly why they didn't mm. even kind of consider it. He was a divisive figure, put it that way, you know, um, after, you know, after he left. I think coming back would have been a bold um, move for him. But yeah, I mean, he was fantastic. He was absolutely fantastic. It's weird though, because I don't think of him the same way I did. Like, interestingly, what a great segue this will be. But going for looking at Anelka from that 99, uh, 98, 99 yeah. season, and when Anelka left, I was like, I hate him. I mean, I was like 11, but I was yeah. like, I hate, he, I've never hated anyone more. Like, and, and, but like with Fabregas, I sort of, I was like, look, he's given us. Like yeah. Josh was saying, seven years, and there is no chance of us winning anything now because we're not, you know, we've got no money. We're not buying in the players that could get us, you know, up a level to to challenge Chelsea at the time. And so I was like, and he wants to go and play for Barcelona. He's always dreamed of playing Barcelona. Like I just didn't blame him. Like I was, no. I was sad. Yeah. I didn't yeah. blame him. I think not blaming him is the overriding feeling. So, yeah, as, as Josh said, you know, we, we had so many mediocre players at that time. So even if, you know, you, you might want to, you know, you might say Bakary Sanri himself was technically a really good player, but, you know, who knows what he's, who knows, you know, what as a, as a human being, what it was like. But you, you're right, your segue was great because we should move <laughs> on. So, so this is, so you were 11, were you? This was the, the turning so, point in your, yeah, fo- yeah. In your football. Fa- so were you into football before then? Were you, how, what, what? You know what? What did you was did you watch the Arsenal win the double the year before when you were ten and think, oh yeah, this is the team I've got to support? How did it sort happen? of, yeah. I mean, basically, like my friend who lived down my road because my mum and dad didn't like football, but my mate who lived down my road, Alex Gallagher, he, um, his dad used to run a coach company, I think they were called Epson Coaches or something like that, and nice they used fun. to run a run a. Yeah, no, exactly, I don't know if they're still going, but they used to run a, a coach trips up to Sellers Park. I don't know why, but they would always do a trip to see Arsenal away Um, because his dad was an Arsenal fan and he was an Arsenal fan and they organised a trip of about 40 of us to go and see Arsenal whether you're an Arsenal fan or not it was mostly just kids from the school so um uh, and so I went to that and with him and uh, he was a big Arsenal fan. I remember he had a, he had pictures in, in his bedroom and stuff. So, and I was like, right, well, I'm an Arsenal fan then. And the first match I ever went to was in 97, 98 was when the floodlights went out um, oh, yeah. at Sellers Park. Um, and so anyway, so then I sort of supported Arsenal and I remember us winning the FA Cup and, and sort of remember sort of enjoying in, in sort of enjoying that. But I wasn't like a fan fan at that point. But the next mm. season I was like, right, I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan. And they, and the first match I went to was um, the Sheffield United game with the the, the replay because oh, uh, yeah. the ball was kicked out and um, Overmars threw it onto no Ray Parler threw it onto Carnu. Carnu didn't know the rule that you're supposed to kick the ball back out, kick the ball to the opposition when a player's been injured, um, and he passed it across and Overmars scored and the game was Wenger immediately offered to replay the game. Yeah, and Steve Bruce was the other manager and he threatened to take his players off the pitch. 
And it's quite funny watching the video back. It's a very young Steve Bruce. Um, and that was my first ever match at, at Highbury. And, and I went to also, I also went to all the Wembley games, the Champions League games, where we were getting 75,000 for yeah. Arsenal versus Panathinaikos. Um, and uh, so that was the first season that I really, yeah, yeah, really, really loved it. And it was great watching it back today. Uh, well, I remember it very well because um, we we sold Ian Wright just before yes. um, the start of that season, which was you know I loved absolutely loved Ian Wright. And were people fu- were people furious? Was it be- were people thinking it was before his time? Because I don't really I love Wrighty now, but I don't remember like supporting him as an Arsenal player. Mm. No, I don't think I don't remember being furious. I think I think it was I think people thought it was fair enough, and that you know he was by that point not guaranteed you know uh, to play week in week out mm. and you know he had a I, I don't think anyone blamed him put it that way and i don't think i, I also don't think I, my, my, this is my memory of it i don't remember ever feeling oh that's terrible we should you know we should keep him by hook or by crook you know because so i think everyone thought it was kind of fair enough really yeah um, yeah um and that was, yeah, that was my Nicole- yeah. Nicholas Anelka had made such an impact. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was clear that Ian Wright was no longer a first a first choice and something he had been for his entire career at Arsenal. So it seemed like a you know a natural time maybe for for him to. Yeah. You know, it didn't make sense that he was going to hang around the club and sort of you know as he was coming to the end of his career be happy to to be on the bench. So it was all it was all fairly amicable, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And the big signings, um, I mean, Nelson Vivas, obviously. Yeah. Uh, huge. But um, the really big one was Freddie Lundberg, of course. Yeah. Um, who was, I remember, being so excited by the arrival of Freddie Lundberg, partly because he was incredibly handsome. And, yeah. he was, and obviously still, obviously, he was our, our, our caretaker manager early this season. It's incredible to think, isn't it? Only a few yeah. months ago, we were we were wondering what was going to happen with Freddie Lundberg. Um, and I, he was in, in, he, for me. He was instantly an exciting player. But what? Who were your favourite players? And how did you kind of? It, when you're 11 years old, did you you had an appreciation for who the kind of really good exciting players were, even at that point? Yeah, I mean, so you, you, I suppose you were just getting a grasp of it. And I, uh, but yeah. I remember Jungberg scoring against Man United at Highbury. Yeah. Um, I yeah. wasn't there, but I remember watching it on Match of the Day and like I think uh, saying to my mum, "Oh, you know, like," and he and he dyed his hair red like his whole yes. all of his hair was red and i was like, oh that's amazing and i want hair like that and um and so i remember being quite excited by jungberg and i actually uh, one of the first goals i remember because it was when the i used to get the arsenal magazine and they give you a poster in the arsenal magazine and i had a poster cool. of stephen hughes scoring against everton <laughs> and so i used to be I, like we know in the playground it's like all right who is everyone going to be i was like i'm stephen hughes i'm stephen hughes everyone what's uh, really so, funny is I was just going to say, because I was looking up the stats. So I looked up that game, the Man United game, because I remember that very vividly as well, because yeah. Freddie came on as sub. He was a sub mm. to score that goal um, when we beat Man United 3-0. And that, that was because, of course, the rest of that season was all about them beating us. Um, yeah. And Stephen, so you got the lineup because brilliantly on the Premier League website, if you if you look up any game, it's all there. All the stats are there. Oh right, uh, yeah, it's brilliant. But you literally go; they've got little little kind of pictures of every single player in the lineup that day. And Stephen Hughes played with Ray Parler, Vieira, and Overmars. That was our midfield. But there's no picture of Stephen Hughes. Oh. <laughs> no, isn't he a commentator for Arsenal now? Is he? Oh, I don't know. Is he? I, oh, I hope so. But anyway, I for some Josh reason. I, I think he does occasional occasional work for, for Arsenal TV, or certainly did uh, at one point. Yeah, but I mean, he he was uh, 
you know, a start to that day. I mean, I don't know if you've got the bench in front of you, but I mean, it's incredible. Remy Guard on the bench, yeah, Christopher yeah. Ray, Alex Manning, Steve Bowles. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, there were a couple of other signings that that summer were Nelson uh, Nelson Vivas, who ultimately, I mean, I've, I, I, I hope Nigel Winterman doesn't mind me saying this, but they they all remember so clearly. If you ask any of that team, why did we not end up winning the title? And of course, Arsenal ended up only a point behind Man United. And, and Luke probably watched this about an hour and a half ago. That that defeat at Ellen Road, yeah, in the penultimate yeah. game of the season, where actually. Had Arsenal even taken a point, we we you know would have well the title would have gone different on the final yeah. day. And Nelson Vivas's slack marking at the back post after Nigel Winsburn had had to go off injured is ultimately the reason you know Arsenal. But also, we didn't win the title, so you know that was another key signing for that season. But unfortunately, for but, the wrong reasons. But I think another interesting signing was Cabadiawara, who Wenger yeah. he talks about, and he said, "Look, you know, he's, uh, he's some good players in front of him, so he didn't quite make it into the France squad. Um, but unfortunately, he did, he just couldn't score. And like, and he was like, I think he will go and have a fantastic career ahead of him. But like, you watch it, like how Cabadiawara doesn't score, like in that, especially in that Leeds game, but in loads of other games, though, he like hits the post and like like." Yeah. it against the post and it's like he's just like the forgotten man and like yeah, you know no. things yeah, like that right. could have changed and obviously that that is this the season of the uh the fa cup semi-final with gig scoring the goal and and burkamp missing a penalty yes um and he never went and i don't i, I think i'm right in saying this he never took a penalty ever again after that yeah i think that's right that I, that, mo- that moment is so etched on my brain because you've you that I mean, the, that game was so memorable for all wasn't it? For the missed penalty and then the Giggs goal where he took off his shirt and yeah. ran the length of the pitch with his hairy chest. Yeah. Um, proudly displayed for all to see. Um, that was that was admissible. But it's fascinating as well, like, looking at the points as well, because like, we finished on 78 points, which is the same amount of points we had the year before to win the double. And it's yeah. like now if you've got 78 points, you finished 20 points behind the leaders. <laughs> That's incredible, isn't it? Like, it's yeah. so gutting. Yeah, that is yeah, absolutely... I, I mean, I, this was a good, a good Arsenal team, but still, yeah, only won 22 games out of the 38, you know, that season. But Wenger uh, you know, said... What Liverpool have done is, is incredible. By the way, just on Cabadiawara, he did go on to play international football, but not for France. He, he went oh. on to play for Guinea. Uh, oh. So he, okay. uh, he switched allegiances, but he had, in 2004, his international career uh, took off. This was after loan moves at Blackburn Rovers and West Ham in England, never scoring uh, and then playing oh, for a lot of teams whose first bit of there is Al, Al Garafafa, Al Kawayata, Ajaccio, Gazanspor, Akamrugukhu, Alki Larnaca, and, and ending at Arle Avignon, actually. So, uh, that's well, done. His, uh, well done, Josh. Well done, Josh. Well very, very good. Yeah. Yeah, but it was interesting. Wenger, Wenger said something quite interesting as well. He sort of said because they, the interview of Wenger throughout the um, video is is just before the final day of the season. So they obviously go right. We're going to do the season review. Uh, the final day of the season is like in two days' time, but we'll do a season review now. And he says, "Look, you know, if we win on uh, Saturday, then we will have seventy eight points, which was the same as we got last year, which is one hundred and fifty six points over two years, which is uh, yeah. you know when it is such a strong Premier League is a very very big achievement." And you're like, like these days, that would barely get you fourth. <laughs> that is weird, isn't it? I wonder whether, but my memory of it is basically this whole period was, was Arsenal Man United. We were the both, yeah, it was the yeah. two giants, 
weren't they? I think it's sort of, this is this is pre Chelsea, um, you know, uh, Russian oligarch, pre City, and all yeah, of that. Yeah. So it was the whole. It was always between us two. and this this season kind of almost embodies that so well. And I think we we're kind of taking blows out of each other, weren't we? So maybe maybe the high. Um, maybe the points tally, you know, is is kind of it reflects more of that, doesn't it? That we were both kind of neck, kept neck and neck throughout the season, and there wasn't a. Like a I think mean, I think Liverpool now being twenty points ahead of everyone else is just completely extraordinary. It just underlines yeah, how extraordinary yeah. that is, really. I think it was more normal back then. But to you, this- something that uh, something that made me think as well that was I think in November we were tenth, and well, um, oh yeah, you're right, yeah. And I remember. Um, and I was so as I was watching, I was thinking, I don't remember at the time. Obviously, I was eleven, so it's slightly different. <laughs> I don't remember at the time the way we all feel now when we're tenth, and it's just like that's it, season's over. Like we're like in those days. I, I remember sort of like, oh well, we're tenth now. We've had a bad month, yeah. but you yeah. win three games. Like and actually, when you when in football, if you do win three games in a row. You can really change things. It's very, it's, it's very rare that every other team wins. Obviously, you know, Liverpool and Man City win every game. But, it, like, if we were to go and win our next three games now, aside from coronavirus, there's there's no guarantee that Chelsea are going to win their next three games or Leicester or oh, Wolves totally. or Sheffield United. But I think we forget that as fans, that it's like you put a run together, three or four games, and, and things can change. Where, the uh, you know... I just think we're so sort of just uh, every game is is every loss is just absolutely the end of the world. And I don't know how we change our mindsets uh, with that because it, it can't be good for our health. <laughs> i tell you what's different, I think, as well, um, is that I think you're right. I mean, by, by the way, I think back then we went on an incredible run, didn't we? And I think I think I, I think fans always felt that we had, I think we were more confident then that we had a really good squad still. We had right. that defence. I mean, basically, we still had Adams, Dixon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keown, and Winterburn. So we were thought, well, we still very much, you know, can rely on them. And we had an incredible skillful players. We had, you know, Vieira over Mars, Bergkamp still there, and Freddie joining them. So I just thought, I think, I think we just thought, well, we might be 10th at that point, but I think we're pretty confident that, you know, we're going to kind of go on a run and sort it out. But I agree with you. I think everyone does get over it. I wonder whether the stats situation adds to it, because, again, looking at the, um, looking at the, uh, these games on the Premier League website, what isn't there is the detailed stats you've got now. So whereas now, we all have our XG. Yeah, yeah, have, yeah. You know, you know exactly how, you kind of not only know how many points you've got, you've got every single moment analysed to buggery. And yeah. you kind of know if you genuinely have a chance of winning, going on a little run, or, or whether you actually, you're kind of, your kind of 10th is reflecting where you are. Do you know what I mean? So I think that doesn't help as well, that people people become obsessed with the stats. You just, they just aren't, there just wasn't that level of statistical yeah. analysis back then. It's, it's so different. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it was a, a lot more competitive, wasn't it? Ultimately, you've got to say, like, what we've seen, you know, five years after this with Arsenal being able to go unbeaten, you, you wouldn't have predicted that in that sort of mid-late 90s period because, you know, it wasn't a shock. Like, Luke referred there to this sort of poor November, December period where Arsenal... You know, drew at Tottenham, lost at Wimbledon, drew at home to Middlesbrough, drew at Derby, lost at Villa. Uh, you'd be disappointed with those kind of results, but it wouldn't be totally unheard of. Like you could get away, you'd expect with four or five defeats and, and still have a crack at, at winning the title. Now to, to win the title, it, you know, in recent times, because of what City have done, because of what, you know, Chelsea did under Mourinho, you know, you, five, five defeats would sort of be, you know, unthinkable. That puts you on the, you know, such a, you know, just like unthinkable sort of, you know, trajectory you'd need to, to come back and win a title. So, yeah, I, 
don't know. Just with, uh, you know, looking at this season, I think there was more of a time where you could go, yeah, you know, Arsenal still ultimately had a squad that, you know, had won the double six months prior. So much as people were sort of down in the December and thinking, you know, uh, there was sort of a feeling, I think, Arsenal, you know, could, could bring it back somewhat. And only losing once in the whole second half of the season and ultimately completely throwing away the title with, with defeat at Leeds. Yeah. And sort of showed that the, the team was, was still there. But, you know, there were some Did amazing you... moments of that, yeah. that season with Arsenal. And, you know, people will forever only remember, even I was listening to a, a podcast this morning, uh, quickly, Kevin, with Clive Tildstein, talking about that Man United won that Champions League game was, was the most extraordinary Champions League final in terms of drama and ending. But how on earth, you know, a team blew the league title, blew the FA Cup semi-final. Yeah. If you'd have be able to freeze frame all these moments, you'd have just said, well, they're going to win nothing. So it's just a whole thing, you know, contrived against us. But, you know, for what probably was the most dramatic treble we've yeah. ever seen in our life. Yeah. Do you remember, Luke, watching? I remember being, I remember the, the last game in the season where we needed United to drop but they played Spurs, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And I remember very well. Who were we playing? We were playing um, Villa. Aston Villa. Villa. I was you. there. I was there. Well, yes, yeah, so I was. Like, but I remember having my radio in my ear, um, oh, like really? a real, yeah, like a classic nerd. I mean, I used to have my radio in my ear a lot. But I remember because I used amazing. to amazing because these were the days. Now you can't. Now you can't get four G to fucking work when you're in the I stadium. I know exactly. When I'm try- I have to ask the bloke next to me to like what's yeah. the score because he, because he's it's, on a different network. <laughs> right, it's infuriating. Yeah. Um, so I remember being incredibly um, pissed off when when um, I realised that Spurs were because they did score and yeah. then um, and I remember being, was it less yeah. Ferdinand scored? Right, yes. I remember it being an incredibly tense uh, day. Do you do you remember? You, so you were there as well. And you must have been fucking gutted as a little 11-year-old. Well, well, I remember, I, I really vividly remember um, two things from that day. I remember seeing the um, sort of stage for the Barclays Premier League. No, it must have been Carling, I think. Carling Premier League, um, like the little plinth, you know, that you would yes. sta- you would get on yes. and win, you know, and lift the trophy. Yeah. I, remember, I could see that because um, it was in the bottom corner of Highbury. So I was like, oh, God, they've like got it there ready just in case we do win and yeah. i do and i can remember carney scoring this a, a sort of another sort of back heel goal um but i remember it being very tense and um and yeah i remember cheering when tottenham scored and um uh yeah i mean you know things could have been so different yeah yeah um it wasn't it, it was season to start supporting arsenal though very very um it must have made a huge impression and clear who's your favorite player who's your favorite player then that season yeah and who's your favorite player ever or even who's your favorite player now but who's your favorite player uh, then <laughs> i've okay, asked so many questions okay, there right. i can't even know okay, which one hang on let's unpack this let's unpack yeah this. i think okay my i think my favorite player then during that season yeah. uh, was anelka because yeah. And that's why I was so gutted and so hurt, personally hurt by it when he left. Yeah. Because I was just like, for, for me, it was like he was young and he was cool. He was French. And like, I remember like he scored a hat trick in like the first half against Leicester. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy's like electric pace. And just like what, you know, his finishing, he hit the ball so hard. And like, I, you know, everything about him, I was like, oh, I love it. I just love it. He's, he's, he's the man. Yeah. Um, so, And then I'd say like... My favourite, because the thing is as well, like, I didn't really know the sort of Tony Adams thing. Mm. As in, like, yeah. I was like, well, he's the captain, but he's, he's just Tony Adams. Yeah. And it's only sort yeah. of as I, uh, you know, learned about Arsenal, 
and as I went on, I realised like how brilliant he was. And I remember like him making some tackles, I think against Dynamo Kiev, where he made this most incredible tackle. And I was like, oh well, he's you know the most the, the best defender ever. Um, so uh, you know, big fan of him. And 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 you know, my favourite Arsenal player of all time uh, is Thierry Henry, and and you know who took over from from Anelka. Um, yeah. And uh, so because similar sort of thing, just so cool, so French, the striker. Um, and um, and my favourite player now. Um, okay, that's harder. I think it's very difficult, right? I still love Mesut Ozil, <laughs> and I know he's like such a divisive character. But oh, I I also own a pair of signed boots by Mesut Ozil, which oh, makes me love love him even nice. more. Yeah. And so like I, you know, I love him and I love Aubameyang. Um, yeah. And again, I'll be pretty gutted if Aubameyang goes. But uh, like I said with Fabregas earlier, I would understand it if he wants to go yeah. and, and win yeah. something at Barcelona. We'll see. We, we have kind of run out of time, haven't we, Josh? We, we've been going quite a long time. I just, realized, I just looked at the clock. I just realised we've been uh, merrily prattling away for, for nearly an hour now. So we should we should uh, probably let call it a day and, um, and regroup next week, Josh. But Luke, it's been an absolute thrill. It's been a Thanks joy. Thanks so much. It has been, it's been lovely to talk about uh, that season particularly. So um, yeah, it's great, yeah. great, great to hear you guys. And- People should follow you on Instagram, on Twitter. Luke Kempner, it's just your name, isn't it? Yeah, and, at Luke um, Kempner on yeah. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, doing all sorts of at- stuff just to keep myself interested. Yeah, no, and well, you're keeping us all entertained as well, and uh, and it's it's been it's been brilliant. Cheers, cheers, Josh. We should be back next week, won't we? With uh, with uh, with another podcast. Yes, I, I don't know who yet, but we we'll, we'll find we'll find Peston. someone to make uh, as much as we can. Yeah. DM Peston. Oh, we got is yeah. Peston a gooner? Of course, yeah, big gooner. Huge oh, gooner. come on, you got to get Peston. Yeah, that's the, that's the project. That's okay. the project. Yeah. All right, it's been brilliant. Thanks, Luke, so much, and um, and uh, we'll uh, speak again soon. Cheers. Bye. This is a playback media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.